Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Alright everybody, we're back with another episode of the podcast. We are going to be keeping up with Adventure 1, Quest 1, Scraping the Barrel. Though this is the third part in that series, because we've done one, two games already in this little scrappy thing here. Now, as for a recap, our group hasn't done too much, but I blame them mostly. It's, it's definitely not me with anything wrong with my speed or anything like that. But quick recap for everybody at home who cares to listen in on this. Uh, party found a bunch of strange things going on with a bunch of goatees on their road to the town of Cooperford, looking to do some good as they've heard a lot of rumors about travelers not being particularly welcomed at a particular inn and looking to do some good, find some missing people and whatnot. But instead, they dealt with goats and a very strange and murderous farmer who in some ways, I guess, could be defended for his actions. In a lot of ways, probably not. But in any case, he was slippery, wiry, and put up a good fight against an orc who couldn't grapple. But uh, beyond that, the party ended up making it into Cooperford, spoke with the captain of the guard, heard that this issue is pretty prevalent. There are a bunch of people going missing, turned in this old man for the criminal that he is, and beyond that, made their way to the Green Onion, where it supposedly is haunted. Now, the party themselves are still kind of like in media res dealing with this quote-unquote haunting, but there's a lot of red flags that lead the party to believe that maybe that's not the case. Uh, and so I guess the last thing that we really dealt with was a borderline, I would say, mentally unstable appearing invisible apparition in the uh, main serving area in the Green Onion Inn and Tavern. And our party uh, at this point are still standing there with the invisible apparition standing apart from them. And so we'll just jump right back into it as he says to them, if you just trust me, we can get through this. Religion I... check, now. <laughs> We've waited a whole week for this. She's literally just been standing there with the D20 cocked, ready to throw it for seven days. She's like, damn, Dan, stop with all the preamble. Just let me roll. She got a fumble, didn't she? No, I got 12. Oh, okay. I mean, from what you know about ghosts specifically, or at least like the incorporeal undead, incorporeal undead are typically going to have a little bit more personality to them. But as far as like physical attributes and things goes, this could be a ghost. It seems kind of unlikely. There's any number of other undead that you probably don't have as much of a specialized knowledge of. But the fact that this guy's like leaving footfalls and like creaking boards under his feet, for him to be so substantial and to be considered an incorporeal undead, these things don't seem to match up. It doesn't seem likely that he could be like without a body yet have so much spirit. You see what I'm saying? 
So he's a fake. <laughs> he's a big fat phony. <laughs> Just wait a minute, motherfuckers. He's not really a ghost. And he's like, <gasps> guys, I think we could really help this ghost out. I don't think this is uh, a ghost. And as you guys, what else could it be? As you guys are like talking amongst each other here, like planning this out. He is just kind of walking around invisibly behind the bar, bumping into glasses and things, and just keeps talking about things like the moon, talking about his skin being extra dry. Like, he's just kind of rambling on his own right now. So you don't have to worry about him being like, oh, they can, what are they planning? You know what I mean? He sounds less like a ghost, more like a drunk fool who's got an invisibility spell cast on them. <laughs> Communist Less grandpa, like everybody. A of the undead. <laughs> He's a drunk. Can uh, Klika make an arcana check to see if she can figure out if it is some kind of spell? Sure. Klika's just going to go take a nap. Uh, got a seven. I mean, the concept of this being an invisibility spell seems very likely, especially given what Anton said about it being like, this is probably a guy. You're like, well, there are spells about this. You know what I mean? Mm. How So can Norhill try to track the footfalls and see generally how close? This... Like, he's behind the bar right now. You can like see the, the glasses that he's tinkling into, but yeah. All right, uh, how are things set up behind the bar? Uh, there's a big, giant, sort of like a, what's it rolling for? Like a, a series of shelves in the back. Most of it is stacked with old dented wooden and uh, uh, metal uh, tankards, as well as some nicer glasses that look chipped and whatever. But it's pretty much just like glasses and mugs. And then below it's just a big bunch of spirits. And you can see some barrels set up along the back wall as well that seem to be holding ale and stronger, um, like fortified wine or whatever. Uh, but apart from that, the bar is just a, like a, a big L shape that kind of loops by the stairwell all the way to the far side of the back wall. Okay, yeah, so Norhill's just going to try to track its movements by you know, the effects that it has on the environment. Sure. And sort of gauge whether or not it seems to be, you know, get, getting closer or further away at any given moment. He's definitely pacing, I'll say this much. He's behind the bar and kind of just really just scooting back and forth and talking to himself. Every once in a while has a little pause, but at this point in his conversation with himself, he's pretty much just saying, oh, but she's conniving. She is conniving. And you know, she'll get what's coming to her. Yeah, bad lady. She's going to die. And you know what? Death is probably not going to come to her. Death death will come to me, but not to her. But that's okay. I've met death. That's not that bad. But, uh, but sometimes he's bad. Aren't you already dead? And he just starts like cracking up. He's like, <laughs> I wish, but death, death does not come easy in these parts. Children of the pale. And you see him bump into some more of the glasses and he's like, oh, sorry. Excuse me, bottle. And he keeps walking back and forth. Can Klika try and give the ghost a hug? Sure. So you walk behind the bar. Can you explain yeah. why you'd be giving him a hug rather than just... A friendly seems, version of Murdo Hoboing. Just seems very distraught and anxious. <laughs> and so as you so, some comfort. As you go behind the bar and approach where you think he is, 
you can hear him take some quick footfalls and start running the other direction. And he comes to a stop and he says, be gone. Do not talk to me. Do not touch me. I don't know where you're from or who you're with, but, but you can help me. Yes, 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 yes. You can help me. Eh? First, we would like to know who, are, who it is that we're helping. Me? Well, who are you? I don't think I can tell you that. For if you knew my name, you might not be so willing to help me. I've done bad things. I'm a bad man. I've killed many people. And, and that's just the beginning of it all. You should see what happens after they die. Blessed are the gifts of the pale. You can hear a couple like weird quick arm movements against clothing as if doing a bunch of gestures and gesticulations, probably religious gestures of some sort. But he says, after like kind of like frisking himself all over with that, he stops for a moment. He says, but, but, but he abandoned us and he doesn't love us. But, but wait, yes, he does, but not the he that you'd think. The other he, the he that was the he that I thought was him, but he's not him indeed. Uh-huh. Does the Children of the Pale, does that sound like a religious sect I may have heard of? Not that one that you would have heard of, but it sounds like your local no-good group of evildoers. You can roll a religion check on that, or a history uh, check if you got that. Uh, let me actually look that about history. Or even, uh, I'll even give it to our comments. I'll do religion. Well. I'll do religion on that. Yeah. 18? Damn. So that kind of verbiage there, that kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like that kind of um, speech, those kinds of words, like that kind of concept of a name being like children of the pale. Sounds very culty to begin with, but you know that when people refer to things as being like of the pale or of the gray, usually it's in reference to like old rotten flesh or mottled flesh or something like that. So when you hear children of the pale, it's probably referencing something to do with death or the undead or something like that. And with your high role there, you can tell that most things related to the dead, if they're not dealing with the, you know, the great tormentor there, they're probably dealing with something more like uh, gods of undeath that are, I mean, I'd probably say more like demon princes or something like that. Like, that kind of place where the necromancy would come from. And beyond that, your best guess would just be like magic. But usually when wizards of, you know, a high caliber of necromancy, they're not really religious. Instead, it's more of a science for them. But the only God that really comes to mind that could be potentially related to this would be Orcus, God of death and undeath. And even that thought alone with no hint of like irony or anything here sends a shiver up your spine. And you turn pale. Anton looks for his belt and takes out his um whatchamacallit? Hammer and sickle? Hammer. No. (laughs) He takes out his his sensor and he kind of starts waving it around (laughs) of like this is an holy. And with that you're referring to the god of Orcus, this is a very unholy indeed. Well don't forget. Orcus is not necessarily a god, though he may have like a deific stance. He's a demon prince. So he's just one of the biggest, baddest mother effers in the abyss to the point that he has, like I said, like a deific power. Like he can be hailed as a god, but at the end of the day, he's not like a god by those standards. You see what I'm saying? It's just a cult following. (laughs) Were you waiting this whole time to say that? No. It's like fish. There's just a huge bunch of people following around Orcus. Not bathing and hanging out in tents. <laughs> yeah. 
But either way, once you take out your sensor and you start saying that, you can hear the guy behind the bar shift a couple times and you hear a bunch of bottles bounce around and a couple of mugs fall off the rack. And he says, <gasps> he says, have you come to bless me? Purge me of my sins. And all of a sudden you hear it like a loud scrapping, thumping on the table as somebody vaults over the top of it, runs right up to you. And as you're swinging your sensor around, he gets hit dramatically by it. And you hear it like ting as it bounces off of his invisible presence. And you hear him like fall to the ground and he says, oh, I am cleansed. Blessed be, I feel great. The light looks upon me. Wait, no, it doesn't. And he like, from the floor, you can hear the sound of like wet palms brounging around on there. And he says, you, you have, you're the one in my dreams. Yes, yes, you're the one from my dreams. The one to cleanse me and save me from the darkness. I've seen many a thing in my dreams. And you can feel his hot breath as he like comes closer to you and you can smell the staleness and like rot of his mouth as if this man's been living off of whatever he can scrap and he has not had very much of a, a clean time the last few days, weeks maybe, as he leans in and he says, I've seen many things, holy man. That it little H on holy man. <laughs> and he says, oh, hundreds of dead dwarves wreathed in silver and steel. I've seen them all, nightmares and death which cannot be understood, death that will not be penetrated by undeath. Don't you hear it? And you hear his voice kind of like tilt as if he's turning away and looking to the rest of the room and he says, the echoes of insanity, I hear the beckons, the herald of steel approacheth, I hear them. Do you hear the dwarves? And you hear him get closer to you and grab you by the lapels of your shirt and start to grab you kind of rough. And he says, do you not hear them? I kind of try to grab back at him and I say, for one who sees so much, we see so little of him. God damn it, could Ronnie. Reveal... What? <laughs> this guy's full of shit. I see right through him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I can't go seriously. I didn't see who this guy is. <laughs> I don't know about this ghost anymore. Can I can I fight a ghost now? I don't think this is worth a fight. I think I, I try to hold this guy steady and not like and just kind so, of keep myself planted. As you I do say, that, he tries to wiggle out of your grasp, but not in a way that he's going to like fight you back, but you can see him like scraggling out of there like when you pick up a cat that doesn't want to get picked up. Like he's just trying to get away and like brush himself off. And do you let him go or do you try to like wrestle him? I try to wrestle him. I say, for one who knows so much, wants to reveal so little. And he says, please, I, I, Orcus is gone. Orcus, or Orcus is gone. I have no power here. Okay? Orcus was always a lie. <laughs> Which is just like, hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. But no, and he says, magic. <laughs> yeah, this old fuck ain't magic. But he stops for a second. He says, listen. I've been deceived. We've all been deceived. The Prince of Death is not here. Someone else calls to us. All of us. It's what brought you here. Surely you hear it too. So you're saying someone is an imposter of the Prince of Death? He says, maybe here, but I don't know if everywhere else. I've been communing for a long, long time. Maybe longer than, than, than many have been alive, but... Listen, there is another who speaks with his tongue and, and he has converted many to his flock, but they don't know that he's not the true shepherd. And, and I just, I need you to fix me. I need to be cleansed. I need to make things right so that I can be seen again. 
I've been tortured for too long under, I dare not say his name. He, he is the deceiver, Frazer Blue. Which, go ahead and roll a religion. Let's just rock this one out. I can't even say that. Uh, I'll take Demon well, Princess for 800. because I just fumbled. And you're like, who? <laughs> what? And he says, he says, he is a name that we do not speak of often, but he is, he is. Oh, I a, got a 19 on. On religion? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, Frazer Blue is known to be kind of like the troll of, of the Demon Princes, where his whole gaggle of, of fun is that he loves to like impersonate other princes and princesses and like just kind of convert people in the name of other groups so that they like go to war with each other. And then he just reaps the benefit of having everybody weakened. Like he's not that powerful, but his whole thing is he just undercuts everybody the whole time so that they're all on an equal playing field. So when you hear him mention Frazer Blue, you hear that it was a lie with Orcus, the pieces start falling together that like, I think Frazer Blue might've been talking to him instead and been like, yo, this is Orcus, uh, <laughs> slap yourself. He's like, sure, daddy of death. Ow! He's like, do it again. But yeah, so that's basically the vibe you get. Um, and so with that, he, after he says Frauser Blue, he says, we've all been deceived, but I've been cursed. I, I needed to go into hiding because there was one who wanted me dead, but she's not here. And she must be killed because she brings on the true evil. I wish to be cleansed and have this curse taken from me. Holy man, you must save me. Frazer Blue has cursed me with this invisibility, and I'm afraid it's not long before I lose any semblance of who I am. I'm out of character. There's no way I can do anything <laughs> to dispel invisibility. Right? It would have to be some sort of a removing curse sort of dealio, which you don't have that kind of power to. No. But with that... You know, he... Can Norhill go walk into the kitchen? Yeah. Just two in the morning going to the kitchen. Are you making well, food? This... Oh no, he's getting flour. Yeah, uh, he has a bag of flour or sugar. sugar. Yeah, maybe sugar would even be even better because it'll be a little bit sticky. Just bubbling hot soup and just burn him. (laughs) Like I wanted Ah. to see you. (laughs) Got him. But a cure wounds or a healing word wouldn't. No, not not in the slightest. But the, uh, yeah, okay. So with that, while this is all happening, the dwarf uh, moseys off and grabs a couple of big handfuls of flour and comes back and coats him, I would imagine. I just goose both of them (laughs) so so that I make sure to get the spirit. Sure. So before you, looks like the outlines of something of a very ragged and like rough looking man with a scraggly beard and long scraggly hair. Um, and you can tell this just because like the roughage of all the, all the nooks and crannies that are being filled by the flower, but he himself kind of recoils from this and starts trying to wriggle away and looks down at his hands and he says, I can see myself again. He's like, surely the dwarf is the holy man. Now that Kliga can see him, she immediately runs over and gives him a hug. God of common kitchen foodstuffs. Kliga is now covered in flour. Yeah. Yes, is Anton just turns to him and says, I, I, I fear I'm not at the level of power I should be to relieve you of this curse. And I shall let the not Illuminator do it himself. I will make amends, even if I can't be the one to do it, for they would expect me. 
but you, you are all fresh faces. And, and I've tried so hard to get anybody to listen to me. You're the only ones who have stayed around. They've all called me a ghost, an apparition, but surely I am real, as he kind of like does a little spin around with flower kind of falling off in little snowy coats. And so he says, but you can help me. There, there is one who knows something, but he will not tell you, for he is weak. His name is Gilmo, and you must find him. He comes here, not often. I try to have him help me, but he's, I'm afraid, maybe I said too much to him, for I don't think he's well. But he works at the Cooperage. You could find him there. Yes, but, but I won't, wait. No, I must be going. Maybe she knows that I know. Yes. And so you see his little cloud-coated figure as he darts for the door to like try to make a speeding exit. Okay, goodbye, Mr. Can, Ghost. Can I actually, no, can I like unleash the crossbow bolt before he leaves? I don't want him to just go wandering out around town. Are you, are you hoping to wing this man? Yes. I don't know what that means. Like shoot him so he falls down, but he's not dead. But he like is very badly wounded, yeah, so he's I not going anywhere. Like, I would like to call it ahead of time that this is going to be a non-lethal shot. Oh, you can only call non-lethal. Defense. You only call non-lethal when you when you when you kill them. Like apart from that, you're doing lethal damage the whole time. And that the fifth edition rule that you yeah. call non-lethal in the last strike that would kill them, you're allowed to just choose it. It is. I also is. find it hard to believe you could non-lethally shoot somebody with a crossbow. What part of them do you shoot? Shoot them in the leg. Shoot them in the shoulder. That's a fucking wound. That's not yeah, like, oh, that's going to leave a bruise. You shoot <laughs> someone through gonna... the throat the right anyway, way. Anyway, I don't, be I don't fine. want the clearly murderous madman to just go wandering out into the dark where nobody can see him. Uh, everybody can see him right now, champ. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's literally just flour. That, that'll wash off. Oh, it is raining out. <laughs> I... So... Liko wants to, uh, while the as the ghost is leaving, look at him and say, uh, so who's Olenia? Well, hold on a second, because if Anthony's actually going to shoot him while he's running away for it, are you actually going to do that? Yes. Okay, roll the attack. And in the time that he's leveling the crossbow and you're not looking at it because everybody's got eyes on him running to the door, and then all of a sudden a crossbow goes on. So who's Olenia? And just <laughs> and falls face first in the ground. Yeah, okay, that hits him. It's going to be pretty funny when you kill him outright. No, I'm just kidding. Five. Okay, five. You five wound him and blood splatters out of the wound, and he lets out a scream in pain. Norhill, what was the meaning of that? Are you just going to allow the clearly murderish madman to go running out invisibly into the city where he could hurt someone? We know nothing of his murders. He simply said things, and he sounds mad. I can't uh, I even see who he is. I was supposed to fight it. <laughs> Starts fighting Norhill instead. Next best thing! Well, I, for one, am not allowed. Uh, I'm not about to let our best source of information wander around and never find him. And so the best source of information uh, flings the door open and hobbles out running into the night. So I'll go after him. Okay. And like was said before, apparently it's raining now. I don't think it was raining before, <laughs> but now it is. <laughs> Asking ye shall receive. That's, you know what, next time somebody wants to say, Dan's a bad DM, when we ask for things, he doesn't even do it. I'll make the rain happen and the flower washes away.
And some of that, you yeah, see puddles of white in the moonlight. And, and, and now, the trail now, of blood. Now, now he's just got a crossbow sticking <laughs> out of him. Yeah, so yeah, he's got a crossbow bolt sticking out of him, so that should be easy. And, and just an outline from the rain hitting him. <laughs> yeah. But for what it's worth, um, yeah, he gets a pretty decent head start on you guys and starts making a run for it out of there. Are you going to actually try to chase him down? Because he is going to have a little bit of speed on you. Yeah. yeah. Jarzak's going to chase him down, too. Wait, now everybody's going to be chasing him down? I'm not going to chase him down. I'm, like, just more concerned so, about the idea of a dead, like, evil gods. Like, so, I, mean, I can't help I'm much why I'm not letting him go. Okay, so Jarzak and Norhill are chasing him yeah, outside. So J- Jarzak's just going to be like, no, this one's mine, and start sprinting after him. <laughs> Dare I ask I, what Klik is up to? Uh, Klik is still thinks the uh, ghost is still in the room and is looking for him and asking who Alinea is. Like, checking out chairs and stuff. Turns out this was all just one big illusion and the, the real ghost is right behind you. Flicks his cigarette to the floor and he's like, alright, Klinka, you pass the test. You get one wish. You're like, bunny rabbit. Just bunny rabbit appears and it's like, disappears. And like, worth it. Nice. Never explain where I got the rabbit from. (laughs) (laughs) Why is his name Wishy? But, okay. Um, So in that case, uh, while Klika and Anton are still in there, um, I'm going to need a spot check from both Jarzak and Norhill, because this is going to be a tough one. What check? Oh, perception check. Don't play that game with me, okay? My apologies. The 5th edition has the crummy skill list, okay? Yeah, my apologies. I've never played anything else. You throw out these random checks. We have on record and literally recorded episodes of you playing other yeah. things. That's that system didn't even have yeah, skills at all. I was gonna say there were no skills in that, so it didn't matter. You know. Okay. So what do we get on our perceptions? Right. Did you roll that at disadvantage because it's nighttime in the rain? He has a rain outline. That's not how that fucking works. You know how torrential that downpour would have to be to be able to make like a full outline of a person? I I made this rain. That's how bad it was. (laughs) He's right. You did did give Jared weather control for the evening. He has the... He's holding the conch right now. You have to respect him. I got an 11. Okay. That's actually a 15. You know, Anthony... You see a crossbow bolt run down an alleyway uh, down the uh, left-hand path, and it runs between a couple of buildings. Go ahead, follow an invisible man who might be armed into an alleyway in the night. Go ahead, Norhill. Let's see what lawful stupid really do. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm following him and reloading the crossbow. Very good. All right, so with that, a guard comes around the corner, sees you armed with a weapon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shoot the guard. <laughs> Is Jarzak going to follow yeah, Norhill? Jar- yeah, Jarzak's just looking around and just can't find him anywhere, so he's just going to be like, I guess he knows where he, he's going, and sprints after Norhill. Very good. Um, 
Okay, and so you two go sprinting around that corner, and once you go around the corner, you can see that there are a couple of, uh, I don't want to say this, like multi-family buildings over here. It looks like there's a bunch of different groups living in them, and they're like built like almost like houses stacked on top of each other, and there's a couple of windows that are almost at like street level, and there's one of them that seems to be creaked open a little bit with water pouring inside. Let's add B and E to the list of things that lawful good characters do. Go ahead, Anthony. Make my day. <laughs> do I see any sign of the spirit where he might have gone from here? Judging by that being the only window open, and it is a dead-end alley, that's probably your best bet. But he could be hiding behind any like the rubble back here or just be laying flat against a wall. It's hard to tell. I mean, I'll go peek in the window to see what's inside. Okay. And you look inside and you can smell the smell of like, how do I want to say this, like body odor and rotten food. Uh, and it smells deeply of like mildew and, and mold and stuff as if like, this is just a real dingy, disgusting basement that perhaps somebody's living in and not taking good care of themselves. Oh, it's really sad. <laughs> Anton. But uh, any sign of the fled spirit? Apart from the rancid smell of B.O. that seems reminiscent of the dingy flower-covered man from before, no. The smell does, I guess, seem reminiscent, but I'm like, at that point, it seems like your only avenue that he could be in there. But with your limited dark vision that you have, you can see in there, it's like a 20 by 20 basement full of boxes and rubble. It looks like a real trash to join down here. And you can see one stairwell leading up but it seems to be like disor disorder with like broken steps. Okay. Uh, you, you know, Nor Norhill, uh, the, you know, we could just leave the, the ghost thing alone. <clears throat> yeah, it's probably the prudent thing to do. There, there could be, be more best, ghosts. Yeah, best not to follow him into his lair. Yeah. And give him the advantage. We shoot him on our terms, damn it. <laughs> okay, so is that the uh, point at which you two go ahead and back? Yeah. Okay, so full of rain that uh, uh, Jared had just demanded that we have there, uh, the two of you come back drenched from the rain and walk into the uh, walk back into the uh, tavern there. And at this point, the uh, innkeeper comes walking out of the uh, back room, and he comes running out and he says, "Well." Uh, 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 what was that yell I heard? We shot a ghost. He says, you shot the ghost? Oh, Don't you think that would make him mad? A torrent, no actual ghost. As you wring off your cloak on the floor. <laughs> right onto the blood pile, then I'll just start mopping it, you know? <laughs> Perfect. Good old Kalika. But with that, he says, uh, I, I, you, so, how, how did you shoot a ghost? He's, he's not really a ghost? It seems we weren't faced with a ghost. There may have been, we cannot say, but an older man cursed with an invisibility spell of sorts. He says, Very odd circumstance indeed. says, well, I don't know what to tell you on that. I don't know why he'd be coming into here and what he would be about, but... Look, I'm going to have to close up everything, and I'm going to have to lock this place down, and we'll talk about all this stuff in the morning, okay? Go back to your rooms, lock the door, close the windows. The storm looks like it's getting worse. <laughs> the storm. Just gives him a good evening and goes back to his bunk bed. 
Very good. Does everybody go back to bunk bed? Yes. Okay. So the whole party goes back to bunk bed. And the morning comes uh, very early in the morning. Uh, there's already a knocking at you guys' door, probably about five o'clock in the morning. Let's do a big test, doesn't he? <laughs> this ghost is serving spectral eviction notices. Ooh, go away. Wait, how are we Imagine being getting hit? served by a ghost. <laughs> Very good. What'd you say, Anthony? I said, how are we being evicted? We don't own the building. <laughs> so anyway, there's a knock at the door. Uh, yeah, and I imagine that at this hour, Norhill is already like getting up and getting ready, so he goes to answer. Okay, and you see a guy uh, standing at the door wearing what appears to be Cooperford sort of militaristic garb. So he's wearing his like chain. He's got his uh, his little tabard on with the colors of the kingdom on it, and he stands there at the ready. And he has what appears to be a wooden parchment case, something like a like a scroll case of sorts. And he hands it over with one hand on top, one hand underneath, as if in some sort of like I don't know, really proper looking gesture and he hands it over and he says, by word of the captain, your information that was requested. Oh yes, thank you very much. And so with that, he goes and marches back down the hall. And with that, uh, the four of you, I imagine, awaken at this point or is somebody going to sleep in and roll over and go, uh, Yeah, Jarzak's just going to keep sleeping. Just, Guys, I sh shouldn't have stayed up half the night for a fake ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and so once you pop open is Kleega awake too? Uh yeah, I think so. Okay. She just hanging from the ceiling upside down. Inexplicably yeah. so. She's just been making like a fort with all the unused mattresses and pillows. <laughs> and stole Norhill's crossbow. She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta post it up like a ballista for her. It's just like <laughs> Okay. And then is Anton awake too? Would, I don't know. I think we'll go back to bed. It's too early for him. It's old. I feel like old people wake up the earliest. Yeah. Now, the early running cold is, does nothing for Anton's bones, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Very Speak good. Out the arthritis. Oh, my goodness. So with that, uh, Kalika and Norikal are the two that are awake for this, apparently. Uh, and once you open up the scroll case, um, a giant deadly snack falls out. No, I'm just kidding. Um... But instead, like you open it up with his crossbow, and <laughs> with his crossbow, um, yeah, there is a rolled-up piece of parchment, um, and this piece of parchment has a pretty brief set of notes to it, but it includes a very light hail and greeting um, from the office of the captain, uh, and it just mentions that there were a series of teenagers who went missing, and it names each one of the ones who currently have been announced to be missing. Um, and it mentions a couple of other things. So the names of the people who went missing, just really quickly, it's not super important, but it might help with things, I suppose, uh, were uh, Adam, Gert, Shindy, Gallus, and Justly. Um, and beyond that, the other notices that they put in there for like information of like happenings that might be important for your purposes. Uh, they mentioned that the Green Onion appears to be haunted, as many people who have traveled said that the place was dangerous for one reason or another. Um, there's word that, uh, uh, what's it called, that a few farm animals to the southeast um, have been found like lacerated and torched 
and like borderline cooked on the outskirts of farmland. Um, there's word also that a dead orc was found lacerated as well as torched uh, in the eastern woods by the river. Um, and finally, there was word that a regular at the tavern had gotten into something of a bit of a scuff at the cooperage, and he kept referencing the voices in his head, and he was known to be a regular at the inn as well. Um, the gentleman's name is Gilmo. Um, but apart from that, that seems to be like the general goings on here. So, what would you like to do? Tick tock, tick tock. Uh, so, so Norhill's gonna go over all of the notes over breakfast? Of course he is. So, um, with breakfast made downstairs, it seems that there's a pretty decent array of like toasted tree nuts down there, as well as a big plate of scrambled eggs and some toast with some butter and some hard cheese. Um, and there seems to be enough for you guys um, available. Uh, and if you guys would like to bring the food upstairs, you could bring the food upstairs and bring a couple extra plates for the uh, two sleepies. Um, but yeah, so with that, with breakfast in beds, uh, the gaggle awaken and begin to eat while discussing things. So proceed with discussion. So it looks like probably our best lead from what the guard gave us is to follow up with this Gilmo fellow. The same name that the spirit mentioned last night. I feel like this adventure has had lots of air quotes already. Lots of things have been quote-unquote ghosts and apparitions. Or goats. And I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, connotations. Um, but anyway... So, does anybody have anything to say to that? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious if they have any notes of this Children of the Pale? No. And so? Well, that could very well have something to do with the voices that he hears. Or, perhaps the invisible guy who talks to people is the voice that he's hearing. Uh, that's a distinct possibility as well. As the dungeon master, it sounds like a pretty good possibility from my end. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah. <laughs> but sounds anyway. pretty fake. Yeah, it sounds dumb. Let's go back to that basement beat that guy up in his house. <laughs> <laughs> Seems if like the reason. all of us are punching in a different area, one of us will hit him. And you guys just keep moving around the room like a, like yeah. a Roomba. Yeah. <laughs> just swinging and punching. Oh, my so anyway, um, so what's the plan now? What's the party going to do? Tell me the course of action. Well, they mentioned, was it the Green Onion Inn or was it the Cooperage? He's, he's a regular at the Green Onion, but it seemed that this fight happened at the Cooperage. Are you relaying all the info to us or just that bit you gave us about the one guy? Oh, yes. Uh, Norhill shares everything. Ideas in the you know, the Orc sounds like it could be a good lead. You can't take down an orc very easily. Must have been a strong warrior. Or it could be a greasy old guy. <laughs> I've heard that they're pretty good at fighting orcs. <laughs> Might have been... It's interesting to me that the wounds are described in a similar manner. 
suggests that they're all done by the same, if not the same person, then the same person with the same within a group of people with the same ideas. That I must defeat them. Prove I am stronger than that orc. That'll be one way to handle it. That's the way we get him to do anything. You just make it seem like some other orc failed doing it, and thus he has to do it to do it right. When we were back at the farm, we didn't notice any of the bodies have clear like lacerations and burnings, right? Nope. You probably would have noticed some cooked teenagers like that, but... Yeah, yeah just try to remember. Um, Fair enough. So... Where's I think the, the first thing will be to ask the innkeeper about um, Gilmo. Gilmo. Yeah. The same See if that name rings a bell. If he knows where he lives, or if he. Okay. So who would like to ask the innkeeper about this? Sure. All at once. Okay. So that <laughs> does the whole party go downstairs to have this conversation, or is Anton going to kind of go solo? I imagine we'd all go, but. Fair enough. I don't know if there's more pillow forts that need to be defended, but those brave and powerful pillows that died that day. Tika's thinking about it. You know, she's, she's like thinking if she could leave her kingdom undefended or not. Klika, if, if you Klika, if you come now, I will carry you down the stairs. You have five seconds. Four. Three. She looks quickly Two. between the four and Jarzak, and then just sprints over and climbs up, climbs up Jarzak's back. Yeah, a little spider monkey. But okay, so the the group uh, wander downstairs with Kalika on shoulder in tow, um, and you guys make it to the landing at the bottom. And there's only a few people in here, much more than you saw last night, but still not saying much of anything important, right? Um, but with that, you guys can see that the uh, innkeeper Diamond is still chilling behind the bar and he's tending to food and whatnot. And as you guys come down as a group, he almost kind of has a look of like, oh no, as you guys approach and Anton approaches first. And what does Anton say? Oh, my boy, you're not that sick and tired of us yet, are you? He says, I had to clean up blood and flour inside of my inn last night and this morning and somebody slipped in the blood. Oh, hold on, <sighs> I thought that Krika took care of that. I said it was marmalade. I don't have marmalade. Anton, I have no marmalade. I have people asking for marmalade now. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. I have no marmalade myself. I cannot assist in that matter, but... Kalika just pulls it out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> marmalade. What the fuck? <laughs> it's even on the sheet and everything. But no, okay, so what's Anton going to ask for real? Anton's gonna ask if um, I'm gonna butcher his name again. If he's heard anything of a patron named Gilmo, so he come by. He has a look on his face of like uh, I don't want to say this. It's a lot of complicated feelings rush across his face in a split like second, and he says, "Yeah, I know Gilmo." And frankly, one of the reasons why I'm trying to get somebody to get rid of this whole ghost issue is because of people like him. Gilmo is a simple guy. He's a really nice guy, but he's a simple man. And he does what he can, okay? His uncle owns the cooperage and gave him a job doing basically nothing down there in order to kind of keep him afloat and keep him, you know, with home and food and all that. But he's a simple guy. 
and he comes in here every once in a while and I heard that he was a regular. So I've been trying my best to keep him kind of here and keep him warm and welcome. But even when I was dealing with him, he would just get aggressive at different moments and he would start swinging at air around his head like a bunch of evil flies were surrounding his head or something. But he would swing and he would say stuff about how he was a liar. And I don't know who he is in that context, but he kept saying, you're lying, you're lying. And even as, even as Gaiman's saying this, you can see people in the bar are like kind of looking at him real quick and looking back at their food. And Gaiman kind of tones down a little bit and he says, I heard that he got into something of a big fight down at the Cooperage. I heard he was armed with a couple of hammers and he was swinging at people willy nilly. But good thing is he's not very well coordinated. He slipped on a pile of marmalade too. No, I'm just kidding. But he fell over and they tackled him and he spent the night at the, uh, at the, uh, at the jail. But as of right now, I don't know if he's returned to work. I would imagine he does. So your best bet is probably to find him down at the Cooperage. But just whatever you do, don't talk about voices. Don't talk about hearing things. Don't talk about ghosts. Don't let him believe that this is real. Okay? Understood. And so well, does the party want to head over to the Cooperage? Or yeah. was there other business to attend to here? Okay. So the party heads uh, down the main road, and the Cooperage is pretty easy to find. It's over sort of like the in-between of the two districts here in town, um, but it's this massive stonework building, and you can tell all these barrels that are keep getting like pumped out into the water and kind of floating down the river. Uh, the Cooperage is obviously the barrel-making facility here, but once you guys get to one of like the main entrances, um, it's not that there's people guarding the entrance or anything silly like that, but instead when you guys walk in, like it's a big workshop. Nobody's going to stop you because they're also busy doing their manual labor and doing these things tending to the wood and whatever but once you guys walk in it's almost made painfully apparent who exactly Gilmo is even though it's a huge workshop floor as soon as you guys walk in and smell the smell of all like the uh the lacquer for the wood and the smell of all like the rusted iron here to use to hold the barrels together and all that fresh solid wood you see one guy here sweeping the floor but he's sweeping it in like the worst possible way using like the, like he's holding the broom so that it's sort of like the long wide way but he's holding it the wrong way so he's getting like the least amount of sweeping done right kind of like a saw blade sort of direction oh here. is it like the patrick scene basically yeah and he's out? doing it like at the wall and he's just like sweeping dust clouds and you can see even as you like walk in and look around the room to see anybody who might be in charge to direct you that he starts just like kind of tufting it at it on the ground and you can see like little smoke clouds and sawdust clouds poof up and he like coughs and sneezes really quickly over his own little cloud that he made and he starts to giggle to himself and as he kind of pauses for a minute and looks and turns around you guys can see that he's got a huge shiner on his eye and he just looks like he got his ass beat the other day and he looks over at you guys really quick and like immediately like <gasps> and like starts sweeping again acting like he's doing a lot of work but if anything now that he's going faster He's just spreading it even more. So he's just doing his thing. But he's a short, stocky, bald guy with kind of a random foof of curly hair in the front and that little spot that sometimes bald guys will get. And he's just looking extra sweaty and grizzly. But, yeah. So what's hey, the party going to do about it? Clica, is that how you're supposed to do it? I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you do it like that. She never got down from Jarzak's uh, <laughs> shoulders, and she's just up there, just speechless and trembling. Like, 
her mage hands out, and it's like just slowly going towards the broom to turn it for him. <laughs> and so with that, the ghost hit, yeah, right, the spectral hand begins to reach over and grab onto the broom, and not recognizing how triggering it might be to have a spectral ghostly hand approach this man from behind where he's not expecting it's it. It's triggering watching him sweep, so... So we can either both be triggered or none of us can be triggered, and it's too late for one of those. So with that, Kalika's reaching over Jarzak like a cat at the vet, just like, and you see the broomstick get grabbed and start to like furiously sweep the right way and start immediately cleaning the dust up. But this Gilmo guy just drops to the floor and starts scrounging around all the dust and making a huge scene. And everybody stops what they're doing to look over there. Sees a goblin doing this with her hand and like wiggling her hand at the sky in the direction of the broom. And all of a sudden everybody's just like speechless looking at you two. And Gilmo quickly stands up looking around as if like he notices he's the center of attention and starts dusting himself off. And he says, "Ah, I, I tripped. And he looks over at you guys and he looks at the goblin with like a look of like freakish disdain and he's just like kind of scared but also like infuriated but also terrified. So he looks over at you guys and he furiously runs across the place as if to go do some other odd job, letting the broom fall to the ground after the spectral hand lets it go. Or if it doesn't, then I guess it doesn't. So Anton just looks up at Klika and says that was not wise. And then heads over to go after Gilmo. If he can catch up with him. But, like, he kind of walks kind of briskly, but not like he's, like, going to grab him or anything. Like, just, like... Arthritis. I get it. And so he looks down at Jarzak and says, Jarzak, whatever you did, it it upset Anton. By the way... Oh, no. I, I didn't mean to. By the way, I know I gave out an inspiration point last time. I would definitely have given it to Kleeka then, but I'm just getting rid of inspiration points at this point in the campaign. I think that they're wholly useless. I think that, that it just creates this weird tension in my head where I'm like, I have to give them to everybody for everything that they do because then everybody will feel like, am I not playing my character enough for you, Dan? So, Ronnie, I'm taking away your inspiration point. We'll say that when you're walking here, there is a big puddle and you aced the jump with a crit from how well you roleplayed before. And that's, that's where that yeah, there you go. You did a sweet cartwheel, and they're like, whoa. But that aside, uh, Kalika is very unaware of what happened. Uh, Anton's running after Gilmo. What's Norhell up to? So are the other folks working in the Cooperage still kind of like, you know, did giving us a whole bunch of attention, and we're, clear, and we're clearly on the edge of causing a scene? Because it looks to be the case that because he's already kind of known as a bit of a kooky guy, people will suspect this is probably business as usual and they just uh, try to avoid it. And they were scared at first because there was just a loud noise and a bunch of hubbub. But now they're just like looking back at the work and like, for the love of God, this guy needs to fire his nephew because this is getting difficult to work with, right? So nobody's going to pursue you or anything. Yeah, so Norhill's going to stand like, you know, halfway between Anton and the rest of the party sort of torn between you know, going to help out with that conversation and keeping an eye on Klika and Jarzak. Are Klika and Jarzak going to follow too? Uh, Klika, what, do you know what I did? Ow. Like, how... <sighs> did you take his blanket last night? No, I, was, I slept on the floor. But... <clears throat> What the hell kind of comedic relief? What is going on in the entrance to this place? 
So Jarzak and Cleek, I guess, are going to figure out what Jarzak did wrong. <laughs> so, no, they're not going to pursue. Unless... Very good. Okay. They're going to go over everything that could have gone wrong. For the love Jarzak of... Jarzak and Anton. For the love of God. Okay. And so with that, Anton and Norhill uh, have walked in and now are standing near Gilmo. And Gilmo is... I'm air quoting now for anybody who's listening in. He is tightening bolts on something that doesn't really have bolts. Um, and trying to make a joke. But he's doing it in a way that looks like somebody who doesn't know how to tighten a bolt to begin with. So he's like weirdly like turning both hands and do this little jazz move. And so with that, you guys approach him and he turns around his head a little bit over his shoulder and he says, Who sent you? Was it him? We were sent... Not by, I don't know the hymn you referred to. We're looking into investigations with, sorry guys, my battery died. My laptop. <laughs> um, we are looking into an investigation with the town guard regarding some crimes that may have happened. And we've just heard that you've, you've been a part of some, you've received some bad grief over the last few days and that's just terrible to hear and it wants to make sure you are right he says those guys were so mean to me I, they found my poem i wrote and i love her so much and i don't care what anybody says because i know she loves me too i don't care and he turns his head a little bit in the other direction he said shut up i don't care okay listen i know she loves me she visits me at work all the time and she talks to me like nobody else does. And my uncle paid to get me out of jail for that fight, but they started it, and I'll stand by that. Who are you talking about? He says, it doesn't matter. She's, she's the most beautiful lady I've ever seen in my entire life. And she's the only woman who's really loved me. And, and it's just such a great time, but I'll never see her again because she's not going to date a guy who went to jail. Well, I find most... Norhill puts hand on his shoulders like, you don't know that boy. Lots of ladies like a bad boy. (laughs) You know what? Yes, exactly. Now, now you don't know that. Don't do that. You're lawful stupid. That's not fair. You're not allowed to say that. Unless, well, I mean, I guess every once in a while there's that scene in, in the thing where like a 50s dad hands his son a smoke and he's like, go ahead, son. Have at it. So yeah, okay, I think that's candid. Norhill's just like, sees the patheticness of this guy. He's just like, now, now. It's like, I think you might be the Hank Hill of the party, but with Sean Connery's voice. Because you, you're you also like, I'm going to kick your ass. Like, you literally chased a guy out of <laughs> Just little Hank Hill with a beard. God damn it, invisible guy. Good. Oh, but now the question is, Hammerstone and Hammerstone accessories. Um, but either way, okay. And so this guy looks over at you two and he says, I, I just, listen, the thing is, is she means a lot to me. And then the ghost says that she's going to kill me. And I don't want to believe it. Who is this woman you speak of? And so outside, Kalika and Jarzak are standing there like, I mean, you know, talking about marmalade and shit and being like, but I don't think there was actually marmalade there. Was there? And it's like you two are now trying to figure out what marmalade actually is. 
And, and I then, know it took me a while to realize it was a ghost, but like, he shouldn't be mad at me for that. And with oh. that, a tiny, petite, blonde woman walks up behind you two, and she kind of nudges Jarzak on the shoulder, or at least on the elbow, because that's definitely too high for her, but nudges you on the elbow and says, excuse me, I oh, must be it, heading through here. And she looks at you and gives you, like, the most sinisterly flirtatious look from a woman of authority you've ever seen in your entire life as an orc. Uh, 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 sorry, so, yeah, go ahead, ma'am. And so with that, she stops for a second, turns on heel, and she says, I don't see many orcs like you around here. What's your name? I'm Jarzak. What, what's your name? And looks up at the little goblin and says, is this your friend? Yes. Hi, I'm Klika. And she looks at both of you two, gives a wry smile, and she says, My name's Olimia. That's and... the bad... Oh. Oh. <laughs> and with that, Norhill and Anton... Jarzak's head to shut her mouth. And with that, <laughs> Norhill and Anton, back in the other part of the workshop, the guy's like, Her name is Olimia, and she's amazing. And that's where we're going to end it. The end. Bye. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's the Young Grognar here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. <laughs>